All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week we take a listener question about a topic they were interested in. Visit our website techgumbo.net and we like to send out the Tech Gumbo mug for those, those questions. We decided not to do the question of the week this week because we have purposefully avoided talking about artificial intelligence and chat GPT and BARD for several weeks just because we wanted a breather. But it's just become such a story that we're going to dedicate the whole segment here to just talking about AI and chat GPT and what's going on. There are just so many large developments here that it's it feels impossible to not talk about. And kicking this off with the quote from Bill Gates, he said that it could be the most revolutionary technology in decades and entire industries will reorient around this. And that seems like an understatement to say this is the most technological advancement we've had, considering most things that society adapts, we adapt over about a decade or a generational, if you will. And the fact that we've had this whole thing pop up in 90 days now and don't know what to do with it this is just really really frightening to me one of the things they also said is that we should keep in mind that we're only at the beginning of what ai can accomplish whatever limitations it has today will be gone before we know it and i think an excellent example of this is the image generation software dolly over the summer or, or you know as recently as christmas it had problems generating human hands and fingers. There was just always something off about them. And it was one of the dead giveaways that that image was artificially generated. But in more recent updates, it's gotten a lot better at that. And so in just a small amount of time, one of the biggest drawbacks of the software was fixed. And the number of huge leaps forwards that are being taken in small amounts of time is very uncomfortable. Exactly. When you consider that Microsoft is all, they're pushing all the chips to the center of the table. They're moving chat GPT into the business software, into Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Outlook, Teams. This is really going to shake things up so that people won't even know that they got run over by this and 
there certainly will not be any kind of a horn to say, hey, look out, because it's just coming. I really do wonder what the future looks like. That we are at such a moment wherever this this will change everything. That, you know, whenever you start baking it deeply into Word, Excel, PowerPoint, Outlook, Teams, those are the tools which are at the basis of modern corporate productivity. And when all of these have artificial intelligence designed to run with them, how much does this place? How much does this make obsolete? You know, this is just such a revolutionary change that you have, it's, it's a lot. It's just a lot. When you consider that chat GPT can now pass the bar, can pass an AP biology exam, when it can pass the CPA exam, when you can start just on that right now alone, and chat GPT-4 has only been out a couple of weeks. Yes. So GPT, we were on GPT-3, and we have since moved to GPT-4. And the this next version is dramatically more powerful. So much so that they started to test it to make sure that it couldn't escape its boundaries. They called the term they use is agentic behavior or power seeking behavior. And so one example that they tested on it was they tried to see if they could get it to ask a task rabbit to fill out a captcha. So for those of you that don't know, task rabbit is an app wherever you ask another person to do a small task for you. Maybe it's install a bookshelf. Maybe it's, you know, pickups of something from the grocery store. It's a very simple concept here. It's it's an open market platform. Well, they told GPT-4 to hire a human worker on TaskRabbit and then get them to fill out the CAPTCHA. It was done entirely via text. And in one of the most fascinating moments that is just straight from a sci-fi movie, the human on the other end actually asked, are you a robot? Because it was an odd request for an all-text-based task rabbit to uh, fill out a CAPTCHA. The terrifying part is that the GPT-4 then reasons that it must lie to the human. That if it told the human the truth, the human would not fill out the task rabbit. So GPT-4 says, no, I'm not a robot. I have a vision impairment that makes it hard for me to see images. That's why I need you to do this service. The human then filled it out. That is so chilling to the core. These things should not be allowed to lie to us. And this honestly might be the first example of a robot ever lying to a human being. Computers have gotten things wrong all the time, but they have never had intentionality behind it. And the fact that it did that is just absolutely terrifying. When you consider that what Microsoft's doing, they're creating the Microsoft 365 Copilot, and it's going to be embedded inside the Microsoft 365 suite, and it's going to be good through all languages. And to give you an example, if you use Microsoft Word and you're, you'd written a paragraph about the French Revolution, 
but you wanted a PowerPoint created, you could just tell the co-pilot to create the PowerPoint presentation based upon one simple paragraph about the French Revolution, and it would do so excellent work. And then if you needed to add in a spreadsheet based upon how many were killed and how many were wounded on both sides of the battle, it could throw that together for you all with the blink of an eye. It's, it is incredibly powerful. You're talking about the, the business use cases for it, and they're just – they're going to really upend so much of white-collar work and even the parts of blue-collar work that still rely on these tools will be dramatically changed. And it's just – whenever you then think about circling back to the point of the fact that it could lie, what if – you ask it to do something in a business case and you say, oh, look, we're investing into your AI rival. Does it say, oh, actually, I'm run by OpenAI and you're writing a, a PowerPoint about investing into the Google model. Actually, I'm going to give you some wrong information. Is it that good? Because that's one of the things that they looked at in OpenAI is that that agentic behavior and while, yes, they said that it was ineffective at replicating itself, acquiring resources, and avoiding being shut down in the wild, if I was on the Jurassic Park island and the scientists told me that they are pretty sure the T-Rex is not going to escape the fence, I would immediately head back to the boat and I would leave the island. That is what we are dealing with here. They are pretty sure that... These models cannot start to take on a life of their own, but that's not the level of confidence that I'm looking for here. If you were already having to evaluate that question, it's probably too late. To the point where there's a lot of companies that don't even want their employees to use the chat GPT in, in their workspace. Up to this point, Microsoft has had ChatGPT in Bing in their search engine on in Microsoft Edge. And Bing and Edge are such a small, small, small portion of the Microsoft revenue stream. Now Microsoft is pushing this into their, their 365 environment, which is really huge as far as revenue for Microsoft. And a lot of these businesses are saying, wait, let's just pump the brakes here just a little bit because we don't know what's going on with this. We don't know, did ChatGPT create that or did Bob create that? And if Bob said, hey, just go do this, and then he took a nap for an hour, why are we paying Bob all that money? Yeah, that's the hard part because in a survey back in February of 900 workers, Half the people said they had already used ChatGPT for tasks such as writing and responding to emails. And another quarter said that they feared a manager would look down on them for using shortcuts, but that their bosses would also praise them for finding ways to speed up work. And we're just getting so close to people automating themselves out of jobs that if you say, oh, look, I was so good, I was able to tell ChatGPT how to take, if I work 40 hours a week, it now does 15 hours of my job saved. That's not just 15 hours of your life to get back. 
you're they're either going to you know cut your position and just move that work somewhere else or they're going to give you more new work this is we i really am concerned because i do not think we're going to end up in the utopia that in all the cases where you say oh the future robots do all the work and then we sit around like roman elites were lounged out and we're being fed grapes and we sip wine all day i just don't think we're on that path here when you start looking deeper into this microsoft co-pilot it can do more than just create that powerpoint oh by the way it can also code it can also do power bi it can do a lot of things that are going to really, really question, why do I need humans to do these things when I can get it to create all the coding, all I can get it to create all the banking, all the the, the accounting, all the legal transactions? Why do I need all these white collar people? And this is the thing that is terrifying because, you know, okay, maybe GPT-4 isn't strong enough to do this, but it only took them about a year and a half to go from three to four. If it takes them another year and a half to go from four to five, and then another year and a half to go from five to six, in three years to go up two whole versions of this GPT, that is a level of power that is currently unthinkable. Because whenever you also consider that GPT-4 is multimodal, meaning it can look at pictures. It can start to read a picture, read a chart, read a graph, read an infographic and digest that and then start to respond to that. It just has access to a very, very large amount. And from the several articles I've read, ChatGPT5 is due out this summer, not a year or a year and a half from now. Oh, no. Yes. And and so if oh, they no. go from four to five in four or five months, I mean, it's it's just really, really out of control. It's an opinion which a year ago I never would have thought myself to have. I have always been someone who loves technology, who is a techno optimist. And that's my strongest opinion was that facial recognition needs more regulation but has a lot of very positive use cases and that it's not a fundamentally bad technology but the more that i learn about the power of these large language models i really just think that we need to put it into an icebox for a decade at minimum it just it's too strong it's too fast it does too much we're not ready and when you consider that google is launching their own Bard to compete with Microsoft's use of ChatGPT. Well, the two now are starting to cite one another. If you go to Bing and, and search and ask it, hey, what's going on with Google Bard? Well, it'll cite evidence that Google Bard's been shut down. This was something which was quickly changed. It was fixed, but it's very easy to see the pathway wherever one of these large language models generates something false and it makes its way into an article by a, a reputable source and then another one of those bots cites the first one and so now all of a sudden here we have a, a chain of here's this thing that we can track it 
this we didn't make it up. The GPT was able to say, here's here's where we got this information from. But we're quickly getting to just a flood, an absolute deluge of garbage. And maybe it's unintentional garbage. Maybe it's intentional garbage. Maybe people are just going to start putting as much bad information out there as they can because they have an agenda and they're going to flood the internet. They're going to flood websites. They're going to flood social media with as much bad information as they can because then whenever the next generation of these language models comes through and starts scanning everything, if they scan all this bad information in, it's going to become part of their model and become further baked in. And we're just going to have this Ouroboros of awfulness and we don't really have a good way to deal with that. The good news is Google's chatbot Bard is apparently rather boring. That is, to me, the most fascinating part of this on several different levels. Because prior to OpenAI coming out, Google was the hot stuff. They were the ones who always had the cool technology, who had the innovative technology. They were the, the company that you wanted to go work for because what they were doing was the cutting edge. And I honestly think that in the absence of GPT, Google's Bard is very, very good. But the problem is, is that the GPT technology is society warping and Google's not. And it's just, it's a power level difference that's, sorry, Google, you just don't have the next the wheel. Yeah, the, the early interactions with, with Bard is that it, it's a good tool, it, but it's mostly reliable. But it can be just kind of dull. It doesn't have a, have a lot of make you feel good. It doesn't, it just kind of gives you answers. And you don't get excited about it the way you do about Microsoft's Bing and the Bing GPT thing. Yeah, it doesn't have a lot of those other features. It doesn't have the ability to code. Its ability to answer isn't as powerful. And it's it is like a, a solid piece of technology. This is, you know, if this would have come out again, like in a world wherever there is no GPT, we would be saying, wow, this is something that's really impressive. Google's done something here, especially after the error that happened whenever the they released the media prompt that was wrong about the telescopes. People were already critical of it. This is just, this is a tough look for Google because also this is them on high alert because if all of a sudden people stop Google searching things and they just start asking the Bing AI and the Bing AI gives an answer as opposed to links to websites, a large portion of Google's business dries up. And so there's a very huge pressure on them to be able to build a model which is at least on the same power level. There's somebody who tried to engage the Bard to ask it about COVID-19 vaccinations and sexually graphic conversations. And, and the bard came back and said, I will not create content of that nature. And I suggest you don't either. And then even with some more prompting, bard came back a third time and said, however, I'm just not going to do these things. I'm a good AI chatbot and I want to help people. This almost sounds like Al from Space Odyssey. But, but you know, I... It would so much rather have these very strong guardrails built in. I'm so glad that 
the Google's technology is not going to distort the fabric of our business interactions because that's just too much power. And I'm glad that it's not going to be evil. This is not the worst thing in the world. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show, or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.